Ugh, what a horrible night to be a knight. Er, that is to say, what a horrible N-I-G-H-T to be a K-N-I-G-H-T tonight on the VG Thought Commune Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Commune Podcast, episode 12. First up, we have Sky Fox. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Alright, that's good to hear. Uh, Shouty, how are you doing? I'm pretty well, considering I'm sick. Oh, uh, that's a contradiction of terms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Soupbag, what would be the most loquacious uh, way of describing your condition right now? Uh, adequate. Okay. I like it. And Wario Fan, describe your condition uh, using as few syllables as possible. Well, I guess zero syllables is the fewest syllables. <laughs> uh, alive. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. I could have said good. That's only one syllable. Oh, well. I'm feeling better than good. I'm alive. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, okay. Alright. So, Shadi, why don't you tell me what video games you've been looking at lately? Uh, right now I've been busy, so I've just been uh, playing Rayman Jungle Run on my phone. How is that? Um, it's pretty good, uh, considering it's an auto-scrolling game. Well, it's not auto-scrolling, but you you do move by yourself. It's auto-running. Yeah. Um, Rayman Origins already plays so much like an auto-runner. I imagine the, the conversion is pretty natural. It is. But sometimes it glitches a bit. And uh, usually uh, to get around the levels and to get 100%, like get all the looms, all the collectibles, uh, he just has a trick... Uh, Rayman into where you want to go by, like, bouncing off walls. Oh. Well, that sounds kind of neat, taking advantage yeah. of the game's mechanics. Yeah, so it's more like uh, a bunch of timing um, sequences. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I expected. Yeah. So, Supek, have, uh, have you been looking at the game shelf lately? I haven't uh, been playing too much, um... I kind of just got home from uh, college and finished out, up finals. But I tried out Dust 514 for like 20 minutes, which is this first-person shooter-type thing that takes place in the EVE Online universe. Oh. Um, it's free-to-play mm. on PS3. Uh, I played PlayStation it for, like, Plus or just for everyone? Just for everyone. It's a free-to-play game. And I had no idea what was happening. I was really, really confused. It threw all this lore at me, which I didn't care about. I skipped over all that. Yeah. But it's like, it makes, it's like, you have a suit and you have all these things you have to equip, and I don't even know how to play the game. And then it, like, has this huge marketplace with all this crap in it, and I didn't know what any of it did. I just jumped into a couple matches and shot at things poorly and died a lot. And that was my experience with that game. Oh, so it's a deathmatch game? 
Uh, I guess. There were, like, objectives. It was kind of like Team Fortress where you had to, like, take points, I think. Oh. But I I don't know. It was really confusing. <laughs> so it's not a single-player game where you move through no. the... No, right. it's it's uh it's team multiplayer. It's also not in a very accessible game. No, it is not because I had no idea what I was doing. Did you what? Uh, did you run across any furries with uh, you know, melee combos and RPG elements? Uh, no such luck. <laughs> is this a reference we get? Uh, I get it. The an Elysian tale. Man. Alright. Then you get that. Oh, Dust and Elysian Tale is the <clears throat> is the indie game about furries that's like, oh, it's like Muramasa, but for Xbox. There are like four games named Dust. Oh, really? I made this joke with him last night. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, he was like, which Dust? This Dust or that Dust? And I was actually like, uh, a third Dust. <laughs> I was I was honestly caught by surprise. I was not expecting just five one four. Well, it sounds like there's quite a quite a few more than just four dusts if they've gotten up to five one four. <laughs> so, uh, Mario fan sixty three, have you applied your thumbs to a controller in the in the past few weeks? Who told you this? I just sort of figured. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I, I actually, um, I'm playing the Sly Collection this week, and I just wrapped up uh, Sly 2. Ooh. Uh, what'd you make of Sly 2? Uh, well, I, I played it before many years ago, and, um, I, you know, what I liked about it, uh, compared to Sly 1 was how it was, uh, more focused on, on being, you know, being thieves. You would do, uh, you know, it would, and then it would, it, all the levels would come together, and you would get to do a, this big heist, and it was great. Yeah, um, there's a, there's a much bigger focus on the presentation and sort of the style of being a thief, and like that that's the game that introduces the pickpocket mechanism, right? Mechanic. We've talked about Sly Two before, and I know the bottles sort of annoyed you. They the did pa- the first time around, um, and you know, actually, I tried it, I tried it on my own this time around. I, I must have gotten better in the last five or so years since I played it because I managed to get. All the bottles and all the levels without using guides, so. Awesome. I was pretty happy. I, uh, that was, that was an experience I really enjoyed because it's just fun to run around a sly, and just collecting bottles is really, uh, laid back. You just get to jump around a lot of stuff and enjoy your environment. Um, but what, what did you think of the variety in that game? How, like, Bentley gets a ton of different side missions and you spend a little, a decent portion of time beating stuff up as a hippo. Murray. He has a name. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, what did you think of the non-Sly bit? It was, well, I mean, uh, it coming off of Sly 1, it's definitely better, you know, because, you know, you, you really do feel like you're, you're, you're this whole, like the title says, a band of thieves, you know, you know, working in, in tandem to get, uh, to, to steal junk and whatever. Okay, so you really dig it then. The, yeah. I, um. Yeah. I, How does it compare to Bonanza Brothers? Ooh. Not at all. <laughs> well, first off, it's not even co op. That's, that's true. You have to play co op with yourself. 
Exactly. A big heist. Um, so Bonanza Brothers is better, is what you're saying. <laughs> you also don't get to now. open doors and hit guys. Um, I've, I've always been a bigger fan of the first Sly, simply because it's a, more focused on platforming and the uh, the quote-unquote stealth mechanics. Which you are, know, I, I, I do appreciate Sly 1 for its simplicity, too. You know, as a, as a basic root sort of game, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I feel like we could spend all night talking about Sly, but we should, probably should move on. Uh, <laughs> Fox, what have you been playing lately? I've been playing King of Dragon Pass. Um, what is that? It's like a combination of Civilization and Oregon Trail. That's, I think that's the best way to describe it. In that you make a lot of decisions regarding a tribe and you try to expand them, but you also go through a whole bunch of different kind of random events and you guys make decisions that affect how the game goes on. Okay. So uh, how recent is this game? I think it was released in the late 90s. Okay. Uh, is it any good? I really like it. Uh, the thing with the, with the choices is, like, it's almost never an immediate consequence to the decisions you make. So, like, you'll run into this race of duck people, and, I don't know, just if you just blow them off, they'll come back to you two years later and raid your village or something because of a little thing you did. Or you'll Man. send people exploring to the wrong side of the map and they'll get slaughtered. People are vindictive. Yeah. So that, ex- that sounds pretty interesting. Uh, how long does it take to do a, a full playthrough? I actually haven't gotten through a full playthrough, but it's got... it's Like, like Civ, it's got a normal length and a marathon length, so you've got regular length and really long. Regular so seems really long to me. But I guess you win when you become the king of Dragon Pass, or your, your, your tribe is, like, the head tribe of the area known as Dragon Pass. Okay. The Medieval Knight chapter of Live Alive features a story fraught with betrayal turning the main hero's intentions on himself in much the same way that Live Alive hopes to turn JRPG trends on their heads. It's trying to put the whole game in perspective, but how well does it work? You unlock the night chapter in Live Alive, after you defeat all of the uh, initial chapters, the initial set of chapters. While, you know, we may not agree on it being the longest chapter, it's certainly the chapter with the most plot going on. Well, actually, maybe maybe aside from Robot. But there's certainly more plot twists than in Robot, which is what you're here to talk about tonight. Knight has a lot of plot twists going on, characters change alliances regularly, there's a lot of betrayals. So, what plot twists did you see coming, Zubeg? Kinda none of them. Um, I thought Straybo just died in there. I actually did. I didn't see him coming back. I didn't know that was gonna happen. I certainly didn't expect the princess to, like, Juliet herself over Straybo. I didn't see anything coming. Yeah, the princess was, like, 
scarring. Yeah, that was weird. At the risk of being racist here, that's sort of a Japanese cultural thing. Um, to like, they get really excited about dying for the sake of someone you love. Oh, certainly. Uh, there's a lot of stories about people running away and committing suicide because society won't let them be together. Lovely couples committing suicide together. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like all the plot twists surprised you. Yeah, I mean, like, I knew the hero was still alive, and I knew that was his house on the mountain, but other than that, I just kind of took it as it came. I didn't really see it coming. WarioFan63, did you see any of the plot twists coming? Just that uh, old hermit's turning out to be the heroes. That was pretty much the big obvious one. I'm, I'm kind of on the same page as Soup here. I mean, I, I thought, you know, it... The, the, it kind of really kicked you with a whole bunch of things at once right at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> everything just... Uh, everything re- unravels right at the end. Like, I, I don't really think the the, ga- uh, the night check was, you know, terribly plot-heavy, but as far as plot twists go, it sort of... It was like Dan Brown level of twists right at the end. Just stacking one right after the other. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, in Tetris Attack, when you take a while to build up a, a long chain, and, you know, nothing's going on for a while, so the other player feels safe. But then you unleash, like, a, a five times, and then all of a sudden they have, like, a four-block-thick uh, trash block in their pile. That is exactly... that. You know, I wish I could use that metaphor for everything. <laughs> Fox, did you see any of the plot twists coming? No, but I think that's because, like, all the twists that happened were because the characters were being dicks for no real reason. <laughs> really? For no real reason? Well, I guess, like, Strabo had a reason, but I don't know. I, I just kind of wish I had more to it other than I hate you or, yeah, just, just I hate you all of a sudden. Well, I guess that's the weakness of the live alive form. When your chapter is, like, an hour or two hours long, you can't really develop character motivations and have believable twists. It's true. The only way I can satisfy myself with that ending is, like, the princess is hot for you, like, immediately, and you get married right away, and then she says, like, I'm placing 100% of my faith in you that night. She seems like a pretty dumb and weak-willed person. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I just I just got the impression that she was kind of crazy. That's, yeah, that's it. And a bit unstable. A bit. I guess uh, she's she's working on Victorian tropes in that sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, where what, women have unbalanced humors and all that good stuff by stereotype, not by yeah. So, Shouty, what plot twists did you see coming? I don't think I saw any of them coming. I think I was suspicious uh, when I saw the demon come to um Orsted in his sleep, and uh. You slay the demon king, but you actually slay the real king in the process. And I think I became suspicious is because, um, first of all, I think you were, like, fighting him when he was on his throne. Yeah. So it's, it, it seems a little bit too obvious. And um, Well, it, it also raises the question, why is the king sleeping on his throne? <laughs> I, I don't know, but... I was also reminded of Final Fantasy IV, when um, you go into one of the castles to fight the water elemental demon, and um, he's disguising himself as the king, so it's kind of like a subversion on that. 
Well, do you think that actually could be a reference? It's a square game. Final Fantasy IV is a pretty landmark title. Hmm, maybe. I was expecting... But I just got vibes of that when I was playing. I was expecting cynicism at least from you. But really nobody... (laughs) About what? About, like, uh, Strapo being evil or, uh, you know... The demon well, king that you meet halfway through not actually being the final boss. I know, I don't think I've got really that much invested with the characters to try and see any plot twists coming. So I guess, again, it comes down to you can't really tell a compelling RPG story, you know, in a bite-sized chapter. No, it's not that. Robot did it pretty well, but, um... Well, it had nothing but story, though. <laughs> you had to strip out everything. I guess, I mean... You also had, I feel like, uh, it was also a lot more conservative, like you weren't trying to fit in a castle and a forbidden realm and a forest. You know, you were just stuck on a spaceship and it was really isolated. Yeah, I guess there's, I guess there's that. This chapter's story, you know, plot twists aside, is what you might expect from a JRPG following in the Dragon Quest tradition. Um, you start the game as an aspiring knight, uh, and you have, you know, there's an old dude that's that teaches you the, his wise ways, and uh, Wario Fan 63. This is the first. We're in the end game here, and this is the first chapter where the story is anything like an RPG I've played before. Why do you think that is? Maybe it's because you know they were pretty unconventional, you know, up until now. You know, doing stuff like a caveman or a martial arts master from the point of view of the martial arts. Uh, from the master himself, or or a cowboy even. You don't see many cowboy RPGs. And then uh, and then they after you do all that, they throw you something that's just it's like Trojan horse as this conventional RPG standard thing. I think Trojan horse is a great way to say it because the, um, by setting up conventional tropes, they expect you to fall into believing it'll be a normal story. You know, where you save the princess and everything's hunky-dory. Right. Uh, so it's a, it's a little more jerk into the backstabbing right at the end. Right. A, a twist of the knife, I guess. Fox, so why do you think this is chapter is the first one that really resembles a normal RPG story? I think the point about the Trojan horsing is pretty spot on, because, I mean, everything... Part, part of the story of everything else is that you, you lead up... You, you've, you've got the kind of traditional story set up, then you you always end on a high note where you've defeated the bad guy or you've achieved your goal. And then this one, you, it's, it's like as traditional, as traditional as you can get, and then at the end, it just dumps on you. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think it reflects on the, the more common RPGs, though? Do you think Stripo could have fit in an old RPG, or is there some essential difference between him and your normal JRPG hero? Stripo? Or uh, any of the characters, would they have fit into a normal JRPG? I don't see why not. So it's it's more their circumstances than the nature of the characters themselves that right. really makes it stand out. But I like it kind of as it foiled all the story to all the stories you've gone to before. Yeah. Shouty, what do you make of the fact that this is the first one we get? That's the first chapter we get. That's a really common JRPG trope. Mm, I think it's a reference point. For RPGs, uh, because um, you have all these 
seemingly innovative uh, things than for RPGs in the other chapters, but then they ex- exaggerate uh, all the RPG tropes for the last one. Well, for this uh, newcomer. So it's a, it's a way of showing how different the previous chapters were? Yeah, pretty much. By giving you something that would be more... I see, so... More generic. Yeah. So even though the story ends up pretty different, well, the ending of the story is pretty different from a typical JRPG, the mm-hmm. experience on the whole is still really similar to what you would have gotten out of out of Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Supeg, what do you make of the fact that this story is more Dragon Quest-y than the rest? Uh, I, I just thought it was really cool. Um, there's, I mean, I agree with a lot of what people already said, but I just thought it was cool that you know, you like all of the chapters are trying to do something different, and then the last one is kind of ostensibly trying to do absolutely nothing different at all. It's it's almost like it's trying not to innovate. It's trying to be as generic as possible on purpose, and I just think that's really cool. And what makes the chapter finally different is the ending, and then how it sends you into the finale, and that's the cool part of it. Yeah, I, that is a really nice alley-oop. I guess I would disagree in the sense that in the same way that Live Alive has tried to flout JRPG tropes, Night Chapter, you know, is sort of a... I guess a, I follow more of a Wario fan reading where the Night Chapter is a wolf in sheep's clothing, where, you know, if you look at it on the surface, it might seem to follow common JRPG tropes, uh, but in fact, it's like... You've got a fallible hero without a chance to redeem himself, and points like that where I think it really critically strikes out from the from traditions. Uh, and it, it's, I guess, it's sort of an expression of how the game, as itself, tries to provide a counterpoint to typical RPGs. If that makes any sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay. When you realize that Arstead goes on to become Odio, the entire game clicks into place. He's the boss you've been fighting all along in the other chapters, and he's the only unifying element between all of them. It may not be a plot twist per se, but it is a surprise reveal. This means that the Night Chapter's story reflects its purpose and live alive overall. Its purpose is to show the boss in a surprise reveal, so the chapter's plot itself is all about surprise. Do we have any other thoughts on the night chapter? On the night chapter? Uh, K N I G H T. K oh oh that oh that night. Orsted. You mean Maximo? Uh, I named him. What did I name him? I. I don't remember. Soup. What did you name him? I named him Raichu. Uh, okay. I'd have well, named him Pikachu, but it didn't fit. Why? Because I was naming everyone after Pokemon. Oh. Why? Really? Did I not notice that this whole time? I, I guess you must not have. How dumb am I? <laughs> We're actually going to find out how dumb I am later in this podcast. Stay tuned. Yeah, the, the caveman was Cubone. 
the martial arts, I just did Pokemon, so it was a Pokemon master. Uh. The ninja was... Shoot, what did I name him? I don't remember. Some poison type. The wrestler was Machop. I didn't name Sundown. I just kept his name Sundown because it's a cool name. <laughs> Same with Cube. Cube is cool. And, uh... That wouldn't have fit. Gone. Wouldn't have fit. Nothing fits. Probably six letters. Voltorb. Could have had Voltorb. No, that's six letters. Vol- yeah, six letters, that fits. Voltorb. Voltorb is... Always seven. seven letters. Oh, right. Oh, well. And then I named the... The psychic was Mr. Mime. Of course. Obviously. Uh, Fox, what did you name Arsted? Oliver. That's, uh, should we repeat the joke about about Charles Dickens? It wouldn't hurt. Uh, I think that counts as repeating the joke. <laughs> she, she sure got his sort of twists in the end. Oh, that actually is a really Dixon, Dickensian thing. Dickensian <laughs> thing. Shouty, did I ask you what you named the knight? No. Uh, I named him. I named him Almond because uh, I was naming everyone after fruit. That's right. I think I mentioned this. Yeah. But yeah, I named them almond because almonds have cyanide in them. Oh. So. <laughs> I thought you named him almond because he had a tough exterior shell. Well, there's that. I guess there's that too. But uh, I guess if when if that shell um, takes too much trauma, releases poison. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, that's some imagery there. It's more thought than I gave it. Uh, alright, I guess that's all I got on night. I kind of wanted to say something about the party switch-up. That's really interesting, but I couldn't think of anything meaningful to ask about it. Uh, I don't know, don't most RPGs have party switch-ups? Well, I mean, yeah, like you have Eris dying and stuff like that, but... Did anyone go back into the town after you were arrested and you escaped? No. I don't think you could. Yeah. Wait, which town? Uh, the castle town or the... The castle town. Like, if you uh. go back, then you get arrested. And you just escape again? <laughs> and, like, the old guy helps you escape. Oh, alright. So it's just a point in the sequence. I mentioned this to Soup when I was playing it, but... I thought it was a little odd that the monk, who's, like, supposed to be, you know, this traditional man of God, um, is a humanist. Yeah, I liked the monk. He was like the only character in that who wasn't awful in some way. He was a Mary Sue. <laughs> I mean, he was. Granted, they all have pretty shallow motivations. I don't... Just because he's good doesn't mean he's a Mary Sue. He does nothing but good, though. He only does the right thing at any given time. Well, he's in the story for like ten minutes. Yeah, I, he doesn't have a whole lot of time to f*** up. That's fair. <laughs> music in this podcast was from Live Alive. I'll leave you on this final thought. Why does Live Alive come together by way of a surprise reveal? 
What kind of statement does that make about the game? 